0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Monday here in the DMV, and... I am out in Ashburn uh, because, of course, today was the day that Dan Quinn was introduced as the Washington Commanders' new head coach. He spoke at a lengthy press conference along with new GM Adam Peters, new owner Josh Harris. They are the official uh, faces of this franchise from the um, you know management level. Uh, the, the, that is now all set in stone took a little journey to get here. The Adam Peters hire was pretty straightforward. The Dan Quinn hire was definitely uh, a little more uh, mysterious, curious, uh, for to say the least. Uh, my guy, David Aldridge, who of course does a great job covering Washington DC teams, the commanders and the NBA for the athletic. He was out uh, today as well. So he joined me to discuss what we saw today are our first impressions of Dan Quinn. What do we think of the relationship with Dan Quinn and Adam Peters? Also, we got into the basically the bigger news of the day, and that is that Eric Biennemi will no longer be on staff. And uh, we also talked, of course, about uh, Cliff Kingsbury building this roster. And I may have thrown in a Wizards trade deadline question at the end. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll get to David in a moment. In addition to that... Um, my guy, John Machoda, who covers the Cowboys for The Athletic, uh, he was on with me a, a week or two ago when Dan Quinn's name was you know, one of the ones we were watching to get a feel for Quinn, but I wanted to bring him back because obviously Quinn is now here, so he and I spoke on Friday uh, about, once we knew that Dan Quinn was going to be a thing, so we spoke on Friday about that. We also discussed, not knowing definitively at that point, but that Joe Witt Jr., would be their new defensive coordinator. He, of course, was on Quinn's staff in Dallas, so we got a good feel for what to expect here from those guys. So we'll get to that in a moment here on the podcast. And make sure you subscribe uh, to wherever you, wherever you do it, iTunes or anywhere you do your podcasting. We're definitely not slowing down on the podcast front now that we're done with the coaching search. We can start looking more towards how to, how they gonna fill out the rest of the staff, free agency, the draft etc. Uh, the fact that they have hired Cliff Kingsbury as their offensive coordinator and he spent his past season at USC working with Caleb Williams, the projected number one overall draft pick. But you know, wh- what does that mean? Is Washington trading up to one? Uh, could What if Caleb Williams slips? Does that mean they would definitely take him? Whatever it's going to be, we're going to talk about this topic a lot. Everybody's going to talk about this a lot, no doubt, over the next a couple of months, so make sure you subscribe. Uh, and same with the Athletic, of course. A new article up on Monday. Myself, along with uh, our national insider Diana Rossini, about the the search to get to Quinn, the twists and turns that that went with that, including what happened with the Ben Johnson situation, the pursuit of Mike McDonald. Um, it got some. Uh, I, I will just say that the, the Detroit Lions fans did not like this story, to say the least. Um, so you can check that out on the athletic did, uh, did as best we could to dive into what transpired, uh, what, what happened here, you know, what, you know, I, and sort of, there is the, the notion of did Washington take their third, fourth or fifth choice in Quinn and try to lay that out as well. So you can check that out on the athletic, um, again, DA and I talk about a lot of this, but, you know, look, I think first impressions, you can see why so many people around the league really like this hire for Washington, why they think Dan Quinn can succeed. He's clearly a very personable guy. You know, again, at these press conferences, look, the the initial press conference, you know, it's a pretty low bar to not win the press conference. Just don't, you know, say something silly or, 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 or call the team colors maroon and black or whatever, and you can do that. I think Dan Quinn gave a lot of energy, which is one of the hallmarks of his personality and coaching style that he's able to connect with his audience now typically that's going to be the players in the locker room but I think he did a good job connecting with the the actual audience that was in front of him on this day um, look I, I uh, you know time will tell obviously but whether it was a good coaching hire for anybody who's complaining about it now with the retread or he wasn't their first choice like you know I would just say relax you know Give it a minute. We don't even know. There's so many things we don't know right now, including, obviously, the quarterback situation, which uh, Peter said that you know they just have not really gotten into that too much yet. But the bottom line is these guys, um, you know, it, I, I think Dan Quinn is it seems to me it'd be a reasonably fine hire. I don't, I, you know, the reason that it's not necessarily going to be viewed as some home run is because it's not a sexy hire. It's not a the next Sean McVay hire. Uh, that doesn't mean it's the wrong hire. And I'm not, you know, I, 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 again, based on the online conversation today, I saw a lot of people saying that the story I wrote was like a Homer story. And I promise you it was anything but that. Um, The commanders were very quiet, as we know, throughout this entire coaching search. And, you know, obviously you do your best to talk to whoever you can talk to. But they were not exactly looking to talk about any of this uh, still to this point, which is, you know, again, in line for what's happened for the last month. So, um, and I think that any story that is laying out that, yeah, they did pursue other people, that Dan Quinn probably wasn't their top choice, I don't think is a, uh, you know, a Homerism story. You go where the facts take you. And, um, you know, if you ask questions, you know, what do you think happened with Ben Johnson and the commanders? And people kind of overwhelmingly say that Ben Johnson and his agents uh, basically screwed Washington by bailing at the, at the last minute. Not that he chose to not go. That's fine. But just sort of the manner of it kind of put Washington in his position to scramble and look like they were definitively scrambling. Uh, versus if the question was, do you think Ben Johnson screwed the commanders? Well, then that would be a more of a leading question. But that's not the way it went down. So, uh, you know, the the idea of Homerism, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, clearly I've not been afraid to, 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 uh, hold my tongue when it's come to other matters with this organization, as you guys have heard over time. So, um, that part is silly, but nonetheless, you know, I don't know what there is to be critical of yet because the the guy that everybody seems to have wanted showed his colors by saying, Hey, I'm not ready for this. Right. Which is his prerogative. He doesn't have to take the job. Um, there's one quote, in the story where a source was said, Hey, look, if he's got that kind of self-awareness, good for him. And, I, I completely agree. Not everybody is built for that bi- for that job. So, you know, work it out. Um and they did. So there you go. Um so we'll get to all that in in a moment. I a uh um well, look, it's an interesting day for the Commanders to say the least. It's an impactful one. You know, we, we I've been saying that, you know, Josh Harris buying the Commanders for from Dan Snyder was the end of that era essentially. But what really the Josh Harris era didn't start until he fires Rivera and now makes these hires. Now this is a Josh Harris situation. He has put his people in place. And uh, look, there's a lot more questions to still ask. Uh, you know, We still haven't gotten into what the, the role of Eugene Shen overseeing the uh, analytics. How high up in the food chain is he going to rank here? with uh, Adam Peters and so on so we will get to all that down the line but right now let's do this we'll start with David Aldridge thoughts on the day Ian Ashburn and then John Machota to give us more background on Dan Quinn and new defensive coordinator Joe Witt Jr. we will do that right now here on the Stand Groom Only podcast. All right as promised joining me here my colleague at the Athletic David Aldridge we just got done with the press conference a lengthy one in yeah. fact <laughs> uh dan quinn new head coach adam peters new gm josh harris relatively still new owner all spoke with us for a while like 45 minutes give or take yeah. um, about all kinds of different topics the the hiring of dan quinn uh their the process that led to to this point and a bunch of other topics here i guess just first and foremost this is the new group yeah. this is this is the, the, the you know nobody puts the coach gm and owner on a poster yeah. but if they did this would be who it was, what, what, it was what, like the
2: magnificent seven it's crazy
1: yeah <laughs> so what was your take to sort of you know seeing them together for the first time the the, the vibe you got what did you make well of
2: it? i mean you know look everybody's on their best behavior on opening day right i mean everybody's got their suits on and looking good and saying all the right things and it Was a little odd that within five minutes he had uttered two of Rivera's favorite cliches. Right. <laughs> I was like, "Ooh." But um, look, you got to give everybody a chance. You got to give him a shot. He the thing I was I was really, I mean, I think he actually did do this. I don't think this was just him BSing his way through a press conference. The fact that he did kind of like look back and go, "Okay, what, what did I screw up on in Atlanta, and what can I do better?" The next time, um, kind of a self scout, like you know, it was one of the things I always wanted to hear from Rivera, and never really got an answer from him. Was who tells you when you're wrong? You know, like you need yeah. somebody to tell you when you're wrong. You know, so um, so that was you know, and he gave a really I thought thoughtful answer about why he's how he's kind of changed his defensive philosophy or his. The, the ways he plays over the years. So he's put some thought into this, I think. That was good. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, and the most important thing is that they got the GM right, I think. They got the guy who was by far the best guy this cycle. And that will allow them to play at a different level because they will just have more and better players than they've had here in a very long time. Um, I don't know if he's good at picking coaches, he doesn't know if he's good at picking coaches. We won't know until Dan Quinn goes back out on the field next year. Um, but he does have a track record, Adam Peters, of being very good on draft night. Draft nights. Um, so uh, that, to me, is is the most important thing. And so I didn't, I didn't get as caught up in the whole, who, you know, Ben Johnson McDonald stuff. I mean, I'm. We have no idea if either of those guys are going to be good head coaches until they do it, and we won't know about Dan Quinn being better until he's on the field again.
1: Uh, For sure. To go back to the point you made about who tells Dan Quinn when he's wrong, and that was a good question by you, because the whole setup here right now, this is the difference between what is happening now and what just happened with the Rivera group. Right. I don't care if Dan Quinn brings in every single – all the position coaches or people he's worked with, had dinner with, right. whatever, because we all made fun of the Commanders thing and all right, that. Right, right. The problem was that it was also the front office. Yeah. There was literally nobody here to tell Ron Rivera, "Hey, what is going on here?" Because even the owner, yeah. I understand we didn't, maybe didn't want the last right. owner involved. Right. He wasn't even around because of whatever was going on with him all exactly. off the field. Exactly. There was nobody to tell Rivera that he was, "Hey, we got to do something different," or "What about this?" And that's not gonna be the case here because Adam Peters does exist. Yeah. He is not beholden to yeah. Dan Quinn. And Quinn said that Peters is that gonna be that check for him. And I do think ultimately that's gonna be really important, including as you said you mentioned Peters is the draft is his. It's not going to be right. the head coaches. Right. So I do think off the bat, these are things that make this situation look better for Washington. Whether it works Nobody can say, but I'm a big process guy more than I am a results guy. I mean, you got to have a a reasonable starting position, and it feels like they do.
2: Right, and I don't think that they settled for the personnel in terms of GM. They got the best guy available to me um, out of all the other guys. No disrespect to the other candidates, but he was— just, I mean, just look at the ninety. Look at their drafts. Don't take my word for it. Just look at who they draft. And again, not just they didn't just hit on a bunch of first round picks. They hit throughout the draft year after year after year after year, and so um, they have great continuity because they draft people, not only people who play the way that they want to play. Then they draft people behind those people that play the way they want to play. So if someone gets hurt or someone leaves plug in play the next guy. Isn't that what the Ravens do? Isn't that what isn't that what all the really good teams do? They draft over and over and over again the same types of people that play the way they want to play football. And they don't deviate and change and one year they're taking, one year they're throwing a bunch of money at a guy that plays man and they're playing zone and then they pick draft a guy who plays zone and they play man and this doesn't make any sense like are you, what are you, you doing are you uh, re-
1: referencing anything specific <laughs> there in particular yeah no i i I, <laughs> I agree this isn't the exact same thing but i remember in like the heyday of duke basketball like late 80s 90s to 2000s it i sometimes like you get older you start forget wait did jj reddick play with jay williams did shane battier play with johnny dawkins i'm kidding on some of that right. the point is though there was a, you could have mixed and matched it. And they were the same type, I mean, beyond being good, yeah, they yeah. were the same type of players because that was the point. You're gonna, here's what we're looking for, okay. we know what we're looking for, and they stayed, uh, th- th- they stuck with it. Um, so, yeah, look, all, all things being equal, for a first press conference, I thought it was pretty good. I had a friend of mine text me. He feels much better about the Dan Quinn hire, having listened to him. Okay, because um, he cursed a lot. Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> People um, love cursing. <laughs> I mean, it, it, exactly. I oh, yeah,
1: like how he said he's going to allow himself one curse word, then he proceeded to right. uh, exceed that exceed that limit by, 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 by a few. I think it was just more, and, you know, it doesn't mean anything, but just more of the the presence, the command of the room. And I yeah. think, you know, these press conferences – not the first one, not the second one, but I always think over time, you can't fake it forever. You at some point reveal who you are, how you deal Absolutely. with the team. Yes. Now, so we'll see. But I feel like what I've heard about Dan Quinn, I think was reflected in in that press conference. The energy, yeah. Yeah. the you know, uh, he, he he did a good job at, at times of connecting with the audience, yeah. the literal audience. Yes, yes. yes. And, and these are things that you hear about him. So I think from that perspective. I think you could probably say you know if you do like my friend did feel good about it i think i understand where you're coming from
2: yeah no and and i think you know again going you know bringing in wit as your dc like okay that it makes sense i i know what i want here's a guy that can do what i want and is great with the one position area where the commanders just can't get it right this is a secondary and haven't been able to get right forever you know and so um there's there's you get the sense that i think they'll be pretty good on the defense or they'll be better on the defensive side of the ball the offensive thing that's the wild card we won't know because we don't know who the quarterback's going to be and until we know who the quarterback shouldn't be I, I i can't even take a guess as to how good cliff Kingsbury's is going to be um you know he's had success at various levels he was not a successful head coach um he's not the head coach here <laughs> i would say number one and number two um you know, Arizona has, like this like this place has had, this place is no better than Arizona in that regard, has some unique challenges, I'll say, as an organization that, that may make it harder to win than it would be at other places. Um, but, you know, that part of it is all going to be dependent on what they decide to do at quarterback. Until we know that, we, I can't even begin to hypothesize about what Cliff Kingsbury is going to do here.
1: Right, a hundred percent. Quinn said he landed on him uh, in part because it's over the years, when he's thinking about when he's coaching the team, he's you know with Dallas the last three years, he's in his head keeping mental notes. If I get this opportunity again, yeah. who am I interested? In? And he said that maybe not exactly schematically, but that Kingsbury's offenses presented similar challenges when he faces Shanahan's offenses. Yeah. Um, we'll 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 see. I mean, the Kings Kingsbury thing. He's doing something. He keeps getting hired, even mm-hmm. though the record, the win loss right. aspects. Yes. Um, so you know, we'll see. He he and uh, and uh, with their new defensive coordinator were not here, but right. um, also not here today. Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. We finally got some closure on that. Right. It was sort of slipped in there. He was asked directly. Uh, Quinn was asked directly about Bieniemy, and he says, "Yeah, we talked yesterday, and this, and I'm thinking." Oh, are you going to say we'll get to it at some point? We'll figure it out. And then he goes, yeah, and I wished him well because he's not going to be here with us next year. I was like, oh. Oh, well,
2: that answers that question. (laughs) Uh,
1: Clearly not a surprise. No. But I guess, I I don't know, to put a bow on the Eric B. Enemy situation, you know, look, he came in here trying. It was at a tough spot. We all knew it was a tough spot. It was his only real opportunity, I guess, to run an offense. uh, And, you know, it went the way. That it went, I don't have any issue with them moving on, just like I don't have an issue with them moving on from almost anybody that's here? I guess, so what do you think of—
2: I mean, look, it's what I said when they hired him. I thought—it's one of the things that I gave Ron Rivera credit for was that instead of going the kind of safe route, let me get somebody who who will be just conservative enough to save my job and help me not turn the ball over, he went and got— a guy that was incredibly thought of, well thought of and highly regarded and was good enough to replace him as the head coach, you know, and I kept saying that when you hire somebody that can replace you, that speaks to a certain amount of um, not just confidence, but just kind of a calmness, I think, about where you think you are and where you're not worrying about your future. You're just trying to get the best guy in here. And look, it didn't work, but I would rather be enemy come here and do it his way and try and fail that way than – Mealy-mouth it and try to be, you know, all things to all people. No, he was going to run the offense that he wanted to run, and he did, and it wasn't good enough. Just like it wasn't good enough for Rivera, just like it wasn't good enough for for Jack Del Rio, it wasn't good enough across the board, and that's why he's not going to be here anymore.
1: Yeah, no, without with, with that, without that question. I mean, if you're going to start over, you got to start over, and you know, it's it's also hard when you're bringing a new regime to keep powerful voices from the previous one. It gets yeah. confusing on the messaging. Yes. You know, if, they weren't, if he wasn't going to be the OC, which seemed unlikely, then you need to uh, move on. We'll all be curious, I think, where he goes next. It's been right. a quiet off season for him, uh, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, any other notable takeaways from you? I guess Peter said in, with the front office, mm-hmm. he's basically not going to do anything – maybe add somebody, but he's not going to change anything at this point. Uh, I can hear the heart attacks. It's not as big of a deal as you think, because some people, a, a lot of teams, they don't make those moves until after the draft. Right. Uh, scouts and others have already been like, right. working on all this, and you know they right, kind of right, right, know right. the, so you wait. Institutional memory. What happens come May and June, I think that's the part that becomes a little more interesting. Um, I, 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 I'm fine with it. One thing we, don't, we never knew from before was mm-hmm. If Ron Rivera had final say, or is he being presented with information that was good quote unquote information that he leaned away from? Or is he letting the wrong people talk? I mean, Adam Peters is the one gonna talk now. Yeah. So I don't have an issue with it for the moment. No. But
2: I mean it's gonna be it's his it's his front office, right? And so however he wants to structure it, he's gonna have final say. That's all I need to know. I don't you know whether Martin Mayhew's here in some capacity as an advisor, as an assistant, whatever, it doesn't matter to me. He can stay or he can't, it doesn't matter. Because the guy that's pulling the trigger, the guy that's making pushing the button to make the decision is Adam Peters, and that's all that I need to know. Because again, I look at what the, and I'm not saying he made every pick for the 49ers, I'm saying he was in the room, had a lot of say, a lot of influence on what they did. And they got way more picks right than they got wrong. And as I wrote this a couple weeks ago. Even the pick, even the thing they got wildly wrong in Trey Lance, like got really wrong and at quarterback and number two pick and all of that stuff that makes you go, ooh. They fixed it. They didn't like wallow in it or try to dress it up and make it seem, oh, he's not as bad as you think. And, We're going to play a different style to suit our quarterback. They said, no, he's not good enough. We need to get a better quarterback. Now they lucked into Purdy. They'll, they'll tell you they lucked in the party but at the end of the day they fixed the problem and that's all I think anybody can, can and ask for is you're gonna make mistakes it's the draft but you can't let mistakes linger if, if you screw up acknowledge it move on
1: I, I think that's one of the things that I had did find frustrating watching them um, the last four years and I, you know since we're both uh, think about the wizard to too much for our own sanity (laughs) sort of similar with (laughs) that over time but then at least pre the current administration that is they make a move and then well that's the that's the move and then i don't know what they have to
2: fix the mistake right right.
1: there's no they they, they let it yeah they they let it linger uh too much you've got to have dexterity flexibility you got to consider what is happening and then um Adjust accordingly, like you said. With with I mean, Trey Lance. I mean, drafting Brock Purdy wasn't, I'm sure, a plan right. to say we d- this is our next guy. But, didn't know. but but yeah. <laughs> but but when it, but when he was doing something like, hey, we're not going to just say he can't because we already spent money on this guy. You have exactly. to you know know when to cut your losses, when to look at other opp- opportunities, uh, and um, and move forward. Um The uh, he was asked, Dan Quinn was asked about the the rebuild. Uh, term is that what he would consider? And he very much said no, no, no. no refurbish, uh, uh, recalibrate, recalibrate. right, yes, right, right yes. Recalibrate, recalibrate. We're we're all gonna have to get some definition <laughs> as to what's the what, like. Put it on a chart. Like what's the level? Of, <laughs> um, look, uh, it, it is hard to say the NFL, if, if this was the NBA, mm-hmm. definitely we'd be talking about a rebuild. They they won four games. They have the second you know second worst sure. record in the league. We're NFL NFL doesn't have to work that way. Now the quarterback thing will of course dictate a lot. Right. I think it's going to be so interesting to see when this new coaching staff comes in. What do they get out of these players? Joe Witt was a defensive backs coach. Right. Uh, the, the, the Cowboys had two of the last three years had the guy who led the league in interceptions. Right. Uh, clearly, the secondary took a step back last year. Yes. So, does this guy be able to come in and help for he and Juan Martin? Right.
2: Right. 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 Yeah. Right. They're not bad players. They need help. <laughs> you know, they need to be coached better. You know, and and to get the most out of them. So you know. Will they do it? You know, we'll find out. But you would, I would be a little bit more, I think, encouraged by the fact that these are people that, to your point, have a track record, you know, with Quinn going back to the Legion of Boom and going all the way through Dallas. I mean, he's done really good stuff with secondaries. Like, he he has a good feel for that, and for him to say the first thing he knows was the the stoutness and the the depth along the defensive line. I mean, I think maybe I mean all of us were kind of wondering, is Jonathan Allen going to be part of this thing? It kinda of sounds like I think he's going to be, you know, or at least Quinn wants him to be. And I saw Jonathan Allen apparently said or did some public thing where he yeah. was very positive. So um so that's uh you know if 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 they can fix the secondary and the defensive line kind of Readjusts itself to be good again and they need help obviously in the draft and in free agency that on the on the ends part of it again this group well the 49ers they're pretty good at drafting linebackers so so you look at all those things and you go okay well it doesn't seem like this is something that maybe is going to need to take two or three years to fix right and so but it all depends you know can Forbes be a a starting cornerback can St. Juice be a starting cornerback um, you know, are they going to bring Cam Curl back? And I mean, I, I would think they would. You know, it depends on the number, but um, but some of the other guys like Quan Martin, what happened? You know, what do you, how do you use him? He's a good player, but how, you know, what's, what's the how do you get the best out of him? You know, and that's the that's the task going forward.
1: You know, people point to the Houston Texans last year going from a really bad team to making the playoffs because it, it, you know they drafted the C.J. Stroud number two overall, right. obviously the number two pick here. But the thing is that Houston was building up to this over time. They stunk for several years in a row. It wasn't yeah. just yeah. that. So, like, it isn't get get the quarterback right at the draft, and then all of a sudden, oh, you can go places. You know, you have, you do have to build things back up. Obviously, they have some gaping holes. Like, there's no pass rushers on this team. Right. Like, it's, not a, of, it's sure. not a matter of saying somebody has to do better. They right. just don't really right. exist right. Or, or things right. on those lines. Um, and I guess just lastly, it was obviously – a bit of a circus, at least from the perception wise, getting to this point yeah. of Dan Quinn. Yeah. Um, you've, uh, you know, you've covered enough sports to know that these things can happen. But I guess, what do you? What I guess, what would your message be to people like oh, They didn't get their first choice, or this is the wrong guy. They should have done this. Uh, wh- what would your message be to to, to those who are already questioning that, what just happened?
2: The rigidity of of some, not all. I have to remember, it's not. It's not all, and it's not even most. It's just some in this area. To think that there is only one person or only one way that you can build a championship or a contending team is just absurd to me. It's preposterous because every time you say, well, "What about this?" they go, "Well, that's that's the you know exception that proves rule." Well, no, it's it's a, it's there. You mentioned Houston. D'Amico Ryan's is a defensive guy. They hit on the quarterback. Don't overcomplicate this. Like they picked a quarterback who turned out to be really good. You know, Carolina had to pick above them. They could have picked Stroud. they didn't. They picked another guy who wasn't as good. So that's this I mean there's no, there's no magic here. Like the 49ers have been reasonably successful for a very long time with Jimmy Garoppolo. As their quarterback, who is not going to the Hall of Fame, you know, and now Brock Purdy, who is a set was the last pick in the draft. Like that, I mean, look, Kyle Shanahan's great, but let's, let, I mean, you you can win with mediocre quarterbacks and great offensive coordinators. You can win with mediocre offensive coordinators and great quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Like so, however you do it, as long as you get one of them right, and they'll have a chance to get. Well, we'll see if Kingsbury's right, but we'll, they'll also get a chance basically to pick whoever they want because if they want to move up to one, they can go They can go get one. I wouldn't, but if they want to, they could. Yeah. So they can really get anybody they want in this draft or they can, you know, trade back. I mean, I don't think they will just because the pressure's so great to fix the quarterback. So, um, yeah, I just think it's, it's just been absurd. I mean, like. I, Ben Johnson is a terrific coordinator. He's really good. Like, these, they do a great job. It's They're really a well-run offense with balance and playmakers and great offensive line. They've done it the right way. They've built it the right way. Again, the general manager had a lot to do with that. But, you know, I don't think. He's the only person that can coach a football team starting next season. You know, like, they tried to get him; they couldn't get him. It happens; it's life. You know, we gotta move on to the next guy. Then, and they moved on to the next guy. And I don't look at it as a lesser. I look at it as I always was told in a draft, you don't rank them one, two, three, four. You say at our pick, here's three or four guys we'd love to take if they're there and whichever one you like the most that's the one you take right and so that's how I look at it with coach with a coach with a coaching search there's two or three guys that you want i think Dan Quinn was one of those three guys i don't know if he was the first one or the second one or the third one i think he was one of them i don't think they went, I don't think they reached to salvage this i think he, he was a guy they really liked did they like Ben Johnson a little better maybe did they like Mike McDonald a little better i mean I don't know because it was a they pivoted last second to McDonald's, so I don't know. Does that mean they really liked them or did they really? I don't know, and and nobody else knows either until somebody that really knows tells you. So I, I just think I just like people to let this coaching staff and this front office actually finish finish putting their staffs together and actually conduct a draft and a. Mini camp and you know it was training camp and and a season and before we decide that they suck and they're not any good.
1: Yeah, I, it seems <laughs> it seems like a reasonable ask to say the least. Uh All right, great stuff. Before I let you go, are the Wizards making any trades at the deadline?
2: I think so. It I don't. I don't. I don't think it'll be not great. Kuzma.
1: I, don't I mean, know.
2: I mean, it's possible. It's possible. I don't think it's. I don't think you can write that off. Um You know, I think. There's a couple of teams, Sacramento and Dallas, that really are interested in, or have been interested in him for a while. It's just a matter of can you get to yes with either one of those, um, and it's you know young players and picks and all that kind of thing. Um, but I think they will. I mean, I can't. I mean, I can't imagine you keep the line right past Thursday. That doesn't make any sense. No, that makes no sense. <laughs> that makes no sense. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He's not coming back. Get something right
1: well, Arguably Tyus Jones, too, unless you say to yourself, you want him here because you need somebody to be able to run the ship I for Koulibaly. Like,
2: I think they would not mind re-signing Tyus Jones, and I think they feel like they, they have a chance to do it. Now, it's up to him because he could sign here for money and a chance to start, which he wouldn't get everywhere else, or he can... Asked to go someplace where he has a chance to compete for a ring, which you know that's everybody's different, and we'll see what he what he feels is more important to him at this stage of his career.
1: Da, appreciate it as always. Uh, anything yeah. that people need to to, to know, Reed, you write. You, you're a prolific writer, talker. Just write a lot. <laughs> you don't do if it's
2: any good. <laughs> uh, stop.
1: Uh, thanks, man. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. The new era is here. All right. I did not think I was going to have our next guest back as quickly as we, we are, but he's the guy that knows Dan Quinn, covers them, covers the Cowboys for the athletic John Machoda. And uh, I, I guess I can't say it's technically official as we're talking on Friday, but it's happening that Dan Quinn is going to become the head coach. Um, I guess it was, it was a possibility, but I don't know, like for you, was it like Dan Quinn is going somewhere this offseason? Like how confident were you that that was happening? Especially it kept lingering, you know, for him and, you know, we didn't, we, we didn't quite know what was going to happen.
3: Well, he did several interviews last off season. So because of that, I thought, Oh, well this next one come this will be his last year in Dallas. And then this season, this off season right now will be, he'll get a job. But if I'm being completely honest. I thought it would be Seattle. I just thought that was the natural fit. And when, uh, the season ended and the Seahawks said they were moving on from Pete Carroll, I was like, that makes the most sense. They can keep everything kind of somewhat similar with a, with a different voice in the room. But, uh, I did not think it would be the Washington commanders. That's for sure. I did not think that, uh, I thought the commanders would go with a young, uh, like offensive mind, like a Ben Johnson type thing. But then as the process went along and other people started getting jobs and other coaches like Ben Johnson and Bobby Sloak backed out, I think out of what was available, I think, I think Dan Quinn's about as good as you could expect. And I, I, I probably see I'm reading too much what I see on Twitter. And, you know, I know that, fans might not be all that excited about it cause he's coming from the Cowboys and you know, their defense obviously didn't play well in their season ending loss, but I think Dan's a really good coach. Uh, I think it's a good hire for where Washington is right now. Um, I think he did a lot to really help the Cowboys defense. Cause when he took over in 2021 man, that year before that's might be the worst defense the Cowboys have played in the history of the franchise. And so it wasn't like he was stepping into a Ferrari and, uh, I think if you're a Commanders fan, the thing you should be most excited about is don't just assume Micah Parsons is just a, a great player and has had all this impact just on his own. I mean, obviously that's a, the big biggest part of it. But Dan sure. Quinn has had a lot to do with that as well, uh, using him in different ways, really allowing him to bring out his strengths. And I felt like he did that with most of the guys on the defense. and And I think that's in today's NFL, that's what you want. I don't I don't know how you feel about this. I really don't care about the oh that's what this this coach's scheme is or this. Tell me the coach that adapts to the players. That's the kind of coach that you want, and that's that's the coach that Dan Quinn is.
1: Preach on the on the last point. As somebody who was raised on Joe Gibbs, um, you know he famously came in with you know this Air Coriel offense. They start the season zero and five. He's like, okay, let me recess. He sees he's got this running back in John Riggins and this underrated offensive line, completely reshapes the whole thing, and they go on to become you know, start, win a Super Bowl, go to another one and start this whole era. And then you switch it up multiple times after that. So I'm with you. I don't like the system guy because your system isn't perfect. Uh, you got to adapt to the players. Um, wh- why, um, I, I guess what, uh, I guess tell us about the guy. Like, I mean, I've heard good things about him. You know, I assume that you you guys get him once a week as we all typically do for coordinators. So what's it like, being around Dan Quinn, what's your sense of how he is with the players, things like
3: that. Players like him a lot. Definitely a players coach. Uh I mean, not Dan Campbell with, I don't expect him to take the podium in Washington and talk about like biting off kneecaps, but he does have a fiery side like that. So, and I, and I think he is really good in front of the podium too, by the way. Uh One thing that always stood out to me about him is that, um, all season long, the last, you know, couple of years, he always comes in with like a prepared statement to start off his press conference. Just some of his thoughts on what happened in the previous game or the opponent coming up or just where the mindset is of the team. I'm interested to see if he keeps doing that uh as head coach. But yeah, good guy with the media. But um, yeah, the players like him. The players play for him. Um I, I yeah, I haven't heard any anything otherwise. Uh and like I said, I think the biggest thing is the way he was able to take a defense that wasn't very good in Dallas and so quickly turn it into not only a formidable defense, but one of the better ones in the league. That says a lot. And then the thing I keep going back to is I love when people talk about Dan Quinn and point to 28 to 3 in the Super Bowl, because while that is something that, you know, you should talk about, it is notable. It's it's a huge comeback. It's a huge collapse. But he also got the Atlanta Falcons to the Super Bowl. So there's that's pretty impressive. So uh, I know that Commanders fans will say, "Well, Ron Rivera got the Panthers to Super Bowl," and that also was impressive to me. Um, but I think Dan is a good coach, and um, I just the whole thing's interesting to me because just like Kellen Moore being the OC in Philadelphia, now Dan Quinn is the head coach in Washington, and just obviously they're going to know the Cowboys very well.
1: Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I totally agree with you on the Super Bowl thing. I mean, sure, it's not, it's not great, but this was a when georgetown when i used to cover georgetown or was a fan growing up and they would be losing as a two seed to florida gulf coast in the tournament every year or something like that and people would complain i'm like okay cool i get it but like just to remember to get to the two seed they had to be really good for four months and we're talking about i mean it's the biggest part yeah you know, but like they, they did something right but it's sort of like the way how people are viewing dallas right now right they 12 you know, three years in a row you win 12 games and then uh, the, all anybody remembers is the playoff collapses. And and that and that I think that's certainly been the part with Dan Quinn here um, in terms of the reaction. So so to that end, you can tell me if the stat is right, I don't know. But somewhere on Twitter I saw that apparently since he was with Dallas, they were 0-6 against like Shanahan offenses, um, including this game against um, Green Bay with, with Matt LaFleur. What do you kind of make of that I mean do you make I mean something like that is that a is that really a scheme issue that he just for whatever reason can't solve that or is it just every game has its own story and circumstances and you have to look at each one to really kind of understand why they were losing
3: yeah I lean more to the latter that each one is its own game a lot of people down here will point to him having trouble with when opposing offenses uh did a lot of motion, you know maybe confusing guys things like that uh or trying to confuse guys and they didn't adapt well enough to that I would say that that could also be a personnel thing. And while I think that they did build it to a certain extent the way that Dan wanted to, they still needed more pieces, particularly in the middle of that defense, that linebacker and defensive tackle, that when you look at them on paper, you're kind of like, well, yeah, I would expect these teams to be able to have some success running. They don't stop the run against good teams. And so, yeah, there's something there. And, and, and hey, you got to wonder, hey, did that factor in with the Seattle job? I mean that Seattle's playing those teams all the time. They're in the division. So uh and by, by the some... way,
1: not not only that, the guy they hired had tremendous success this year against those teams. Um, McDonald's record against Shanahan, Bobby Slowick, uh, Mike McDaniel was very good. You know, the numbers showed themselves. So
3: there I think there probably is something to that. Yeah. So yeah, it's something to definitely uh was a little bit of a concern for sure. And that'll be something that, or probably was something that was very high in his list of things that he had to explain uh, to the ownership group and, and and who he was talking to in the interview process. And I would think with how long he's been coaching, he probably had answers for those things and and explained, could break down exactly why it didn't work. And he said some things to them that probably he wouldn't say publicly, whether it'd be about players, the way you can use certain guys, how, what they were lacking and things like that. I'm sure that that's all. And then also himself, maybe it's, he also has to maybe be willing to adapt some of the things he does, but the adapting thing is part with me where I just, I, I believe you have to do that in the NFL. And I think that that's the type of coach that, that Dan Quinn is. And I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. Of course there's way bigger. I mean, you got to find your franchise quarterback. There's a lot of other things that go in it, but I think as just like the leader of men and being willing to adapt to the personnel that he has, I I think that, he makes a lot of sense as, as a, as a head coach for Washington.
1: He, I assume he called plays, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So do you think, and I, you know, obviously it's not even official yet. I believe on Monday we'll hear from him, but uh, do you have any sense or what would be your guess as to as head coach? Was he, you think he'd
3: call his plays? Yeah, I think he would. I think it, and especially if, you know, there's been uh, rumors floated out and things like that about potentially them bringing Joe Witt jr on he was you know basically number two for the cowboys during dan quinn's time there and uh (laughs) when i always think of dan quinn and joe witt jr i think of them uh dan quinn had they always had the camera up in the booth and dan quinn is a very excitable yelling going crazy in the booth good or bad and joe witt is very calm and usually just sitting down and it was always interesting to see them two together because they're kind of opposites of the way that they work And so if Joe Witt is the guy, I can see Joe Witt being the guy up in the booth where he's defensive coordinator in, in title. But I think that Dan Quinn would be the one calling the defense. And then because of that, I also think you hire a head. I mean, you hire an offensive coordinator that really is the one that, Hey, this offense is, is your baby. And kind of really the flip of what the Cowboys have been doing. It was like, Hey, Mike McCarthy's got the offense. Yeah. He's the head coach, but he's going to mainly be focused on the offense. Dan, you're you're the head coach of this defense like this defense is your baby you need to you're in charge of this and i think that that's what he'll end up doing on on the offensive side of the ball as a hire an oc that hey you're gonna have a lot a lot of room to do your thing um well that's
1: interesting and i want to come back to that oc point in a second but you mentioned wit he's been he has been mentioned here as possible uh candidate maybe even the leading candidate but I've also seen a report, I don't maybe it was only one, I don't know, that suggested that he may be the one Dallas wants to stay to take over for Dan Quinn. So uh, it Dallas seems to have you can't always tell, but it seems like they have a lot of guys on the defensive people were saying could be the defensive coordinator to come here or maybe replace him. So what's your sense of that? It's not just like people are acting like Washington can just go to the Dallas and say here, you, you have to come to us, and I'm sure Gary Jones
3: has a has a say in that. That what you just said at the end, I think is the biggest key piece to all this. I'm not saying that this is what is going on, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mike McCarthy wants Joe Witt because that brings a lot of continuity. He, he's been around Dan. There's a lot of stuff that he knows, hey, in this situation, this is we're going to do this. The players are comfortable with it. You probably keep a lot of your staff together. But then there's Jerry Jones and Steven Jones who might be like, no, let's interview Ron Rivera. You know, Let's interview Brandon Staley. Let's interview some of these guys that, uh, you know, had head coaching background, not, not only defensive coordinator background. And so there could be a little bit of that. And and I just have to bring that up because the Cowboys do business differently than most teams. And and when you said Jerry at the end, that's the first thing I thought of that, you know, Jerry, when he hired Mike McCarthy, it was, hey, Mike, want you to have the job? Everything good? Good. All right. We want you to keep Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator too. You know, that's not, that doesn't generally happen either. I mean, that's like Dan Quinn taking over in Washington and being like, Dan, we love you, want you uh oh, oh by the way, Eric enemy has gotta be your OC. That's part of the the gig here. And and hey, maybe Dan still would have taken it if that if that happened, but I think there's a lot of coaches that be like, nah, we're not, I want my own staff, you know. So if I'm betting today, I think they go outside the building. And I think they get somebody that uh like a Ron Rivera, like like a um heck, maybe even like a Wink Martindale. The, the you know, the one that that would be the the most interesting that would really shake things up would be Mike Vrabel. Um and so I think that maybe they would go in that direction. And if that happens, then I don't see Joe Witt sticking around if he's not going to be the D.C. And that's where I i could see him being like, because here's my thing, like, as we sit here today, like we've, there's some times gone by. If it was going to be Joe Witt, why wouldn't you just name Joe Witt immediately? Like, hey, this is the next guy, which don't get me wrong. I think if like the Cowboys are coming off of winning the Super Bowl or, or let's say getting to the Super Bowl, I think that's what happens. But because the defense looked the way it did in Green Bay, because they're kind of looking for, Hey, what are we going to shake up here? Jerry's not going anywhere. McCarthy's not going anywhere. Dak's not going anywhere. What can we shake up about this team? And that's why I think ultimately their defense coordinator will be somebody else. And that, So so for me, what will be interesting for Washington is they take Joe Witt. They take Adam Durde, who is the defensive line coach here in Dallas, whose players really like, and, and he's a really good coach. He's interviewed for some DC jobs. And then the other one, the biggest one is Al Harris, the defensive backs coach who – a lot of the players really love, especially the DBs. And he's a guy that is really close with Dan Quinn too. So uh, he could be taking a lot of these, the Cowboys defensive staff, and, and there definitely are some good coaches there.
1: Um, Yeah, for sure. I mean, there is, you know, that that's the thing about this cycle. I felt like there's been more de- people on the defensive side in general than there is like offensive guys. Um, So Dallas should have options. But, you know, just listening to how you're saying it, like you're like, okay, I think because of, Maybe they want to make a change in terms of system philosophy, whatever, and bring in some new eyes because of perhaps how things went. That doesn't make fans here probably feel great if they're like, "Yeah, we can't even, we don't even necessarily, I know you're not saying this exactly, but we don't even necessarily want Dan Quinn's number two because we're not viewing it as so positive, yet Washington just signed up for the Dan Quinn show and possibly would be taking the coordinator over or, or, or other coaches from Dallas. So, do you want
3: to get talk people off the ledge on there? Or, oh, I would think the sim- simplest way I could put it is let's not act like these organizations are the same. Uh, you can, I can easily see, I, let, I'll put it here this is the best way I can describe it. I say this to people all the time that like if they were to move on from Dak, I could, pe- some people are like, oh, well, no team's going to really want Dak, he, he can't win in the playoffs. Now, I think there's a lot of teams out there to probably like, wow, you were able to do that in Dallas. With that circus, like, that's the thing I think of. If I'm a Commanders fan, I'm like, yeah, okay, it didn't work out towards that. But there's a lot of other things you have to deal with in Dallas that you're not going to have to deal with here. You're going to you're gonna have freedom to coach your team and do things that you want to do your way as the head coach that maybe you couldn't do there for whatever reason that might be. It just It's a different whole different job, whole different thing. So that's the only thing I would say there. I don't think that that whole thing is apples to apples. And the only reason I say the thing about Joe Witt is just because with Mike McCarthy going into his final year, I could see them wanting like a head coach type. It's just a bad timing. I should say for the, for the Joe Witt move to, yeah. for him to go with just the way that the contracts line up with Mike and how, I mean, Hey, let's be honest, they get to the playoffs or and fall short or, or fall short of the playoffs. Cowboys are getting new head coach next year anyway. So how many of the guys in your staff are even going to be back a year from now? I mean, it, the bar is really high because honestly, they can win 15 games. And if they don't make a deep run in the playoffs, I think Jerry goes in another direction. So they're in a tough spot there, but I just wouldn't compare just because some guy didn't have do this in Dallas doesn't mean they can't do it somewhere else.
1: Yeah, no, no, that's a good point. And, And it's interesting. You're right because, you know, here this year, um everybody kind of felt like they were likely going to change staffs and I think one reason they were struggling no disrespect to Eric Biennemi but one reason they had a very unconventional offensive coordinator search was how are you convincing somebody who has real options to take a job where likely everybody gets blown out after a year so Biennemi was in a weird space because he was kind of you know Kansas City had kind of gone as far as it could and so he came here but it's not the exact same, but right. If you view that Mike McCartney may be a one and done at this point, unless he, things go really well, then someone like Witt might be like, well, wait a minute, I can sign up. I'm making this up a four year contract in Washington versus I don't know what his deal is in Dallas, but you know, you maybe only have a year left, right? Or something to that effect. So,
3: that well, then be- the other part of it too is that if, if Mike McCarthy gets let go, is he getting another head coaching job? You know how Dan Quinn, you know, this is his second role at it, you know, yeah. like, I don't know that Mike McCarthy will get a third. And I don't honestly don't even know if he wants it after I, I, I really think that this four years and we'll be five with the Cowboys has probably aged Mike McCarthy in terms of just being exhausted with things that him going from green Bay to Dallas, those are just two of the most opposite situations. And so I think there's been a lot of things that have happened in Dallas where he's just like, um, what are we, okay. Yeah. I'll deal with that. Whatever uh so he might not want to coach it so to your point that might be where it fits better for wit like hey let me go sign on with Quinn's quinn staff i can be the dc there we can turn this thing around and my stock will be as high as it's ever been
1: right by the way the very the variable situation would be interesting on multiple levels one it's been obviously curious to me even more than belichick that he didn't get a job just because belichick's a lot you got to change like everything he's also older whereas Vrabel, uh you know uh Still, you know, young man. As far as well, as far as I'm concerned, in general, but in coaching life. Um, but maybe he wanted to too much demands. But to become the DC at Dallas, hey, if McCarthy does fall apart, then he's sitting right there in Dallas, maybe getting one of the better coaches in the league, who's
3: already, um,
1: who's already there. I don't know if McCarthy <laughs> like that, but he may not even
3: say. To that point, though, this is something I also wonder, and I mean, I have no way of proving this or even know if I'm on the right track. So I'm interested to hear what you think about this, but kind of wonder how much more of the Belichick kind of Vrabel style we'll see going forward, because I feel like the players nowadays, I don't know you're getting the most out of them anymore. If you're screaming them at them all the time and being the hard ass route that's worked forever for a long time in football, but I just kind of look around the league and I kind of wonder, is that really where the future is of this game? I don't really know that it is. I feel like you got to kind of, cause like, that's the thing, like there's times where you can, I've seen where Dan Quinn, where it's like, yeah, he's pissed off and you can see it too, but he's also a a big time, like motivator, positive guy, like bringing guys along. I think you got to have that nowadays, because I do think that the nowadays player that's coming into the league and that's in the league right now, they're going to tune you out. If you're like that, if you're just this hard ass and you're just going to, you know, have them running sprints and doing all this stuff to punish them and things like that. And, and, and I think it, you, 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 Mix in how much money guys make nowadays and all that stuff like I don't know if that if that tough guy thing is going to keep lasting anymore as we move forward in football. So I wonder how that that impacts like a, a Belichick because you just look at his tree of coaches and you just see how none of them have success after they leave. I don't know. Maybe, well, and, and maybe Ra- I'm
1: wrong. We'll see. Well, look, the Raiders basically revolted against Josh McDaniels and whether it was because Antonio Pierce was some great motivator or whatever, they completely turned it around. Uh, where I think we're five and four in their last nine, and that was the most. Screw that guy.
3: We're we're just playing harder because he's gone as much yeah. as
1: you've ever seen. So
3: and and when I, agree... I say it, when I say it, the first one I think of though for me, just because I I'm from Detroit, is what you described is very much going from Matt Patricia to Dan Campbell too. Right.
1: Yeah. No. I I totally get it, and I do think you're right. I think it's almost from a societal perspective. Um, you you just can't not even saying it was it, it was good behavior or, anyway <laughs> right. but like in terms of the idea of motivating players something we all grew up grew up to in houston you know assuming doesn't cross certain lines this is what you need to do and especially like in a sport like football where you know it is just you know so physically uh you know uh brutal that you've got to get these guys to you know play beyond certain levels um and but, you're a yeah. college
3: basketball guy so when, when you're talking about it, I don't know if you're thinking this way, but I think of immediately Bob Knight 100%. and the way that that worked at that time, yeah, but as no chance. T- years went by, you're just like, man, this game, you're not going to be able to coach like that anymore. Bob, you're going to have to adjust. And he never was going to do that.
1: hundred, a hundred percent. Um, So I've sort of buried the lead here a little bit, but in the sense that the real question that people have here is what is Washington going to do at offensive coordinator now? That's why people were excited about the Ben Johnson situation, because if you're going to have the number two pick, who's going to help that? And also just in general, you know, the off- having an offensive guy that you can keep and not having to change all the time. Should you have success, which again would be not a bad thing to have success, even if you lose an offensive coordinator in three years. So typically we say, okay, well, who did this coach have in other spots? Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't know if the answer would be Brian Schottenheimer, but his track record as an OC, not very good. He is the Dallas OC, but essentially in title only because McCarthy is the one, calling the plays so that doesn't seem to be pretty ticing his atlanta staff yeah that would be great except they're all coaching <laughs> green bay miami san francisco and uh i'm forgetting somebody so so that's not gonna that's not gonna work do you have any feel for what a dan quinn offensive coordinator would look like anybody you've mentioned in his past or just anybody you've ever thought to yourself of for whatever reason that he that, that might be a, a good fit for him
3: there isn't just because of that Falcon staff, like you said. And so that's why if I was to sit here and bet today, I'm, I'm heading down that chip Kelly road, just because of the reports that you see that, uh, you know, seeing the stuff about him allegedly mentioning chip in, in, in meetings with other teams. And so that's the only reason why he would probably be number one on my list, because if you would ask me this two months ago, chip Kelly's name would never come up. I never even would have thought of chip Kelly as somebody that would be kind of together with dan quinn but well it got me thinking
1: sorry it got me thinking when you said earlier which i agree if dan quinn is going to call plays and he wants so he's going to be focused on the team and calling plays hey offensive guy you really need to sort of take control and so we were all talking about guys like a clint kubiak because he ever got to just pick somebody from the shanahan tree well now as we're right before we came on the reports that he may be going to the saints Brian Greasy's in San Francisco. Well, he's never done it before. So even if it's interesting, he has done it. Well, Chip Kelly has definitely done it. He's been an offensive play caller in college and the pros. Say what you want about his head coach, he's innovative. So it actually makes sense in the way that you're describing it, which I agree with, of giving the guy total reign to go do it. It's just now, wait, really? Chip Kelly? Okay, that's kind of a an odd
3: name to pick. I also think that if it doesn't work out, it wouldn't, I don't think that washington would be like all right well you made the wrong oc hire you're out dan i think he would get another shot and then maybe you go another year or two down the road and maybe a former atlanta guy becomes available and then he turns to that that person but just to touch on the schottenheimer thing because you mentioned it i just don't see any way that would happen just because i feel like brian schottenheimer's there because of how close i mean really I don't think that there is a more impactful person in Mike McCarthy's coaching career than Marty Schottenheimer in terms of, or I should say Mike McCarthy's pro coaching career. And so he's tight with the Schottenheimer family. I just don't see Brian and Mike McCarthy's last year of his contract going, Hey, sorry, going over to Washington. It's, I guess anything's possible. I just, that would surprise me greatly. And then even when I just go down Dallas's offensive staff, I just don't see there's not another, up and coming offensive coordinator that I could see them. I mean, quarterback coach Scott Tolzien. I can't see. I can't see going in that Dan Quinn doing that going in that direction. But with Chip Kelly, at least he's been an NFL head coach before. He has NFL skins on the wall in, in the big in the big job, and so uh, that one would make a little bit more sense to me. I just I look at that Cowboys offensive staff, and I don't I don't think that. I mean, unless Mike McCarthy was to fire somebody, I don't see really Dan Quinn getting any of those guys right all right
1: um let me ask you this. so as we know when coaches uh go to a new team they don't just tend to bring some of their coaching staff they also tend to bring some of their players and maybe it's rank and file guys not necessarily stars but you know whatever dallas has uh, you know free agents like everybody else does uh stefan gilmore i guess he was only there for the one year right but you know a, a good corner washington could use one of those uh, you got Dante Fowler. I don't know what you thought, thought of his play, but they're going to need some defensive end help or a bunch of other, uh, basically anything on defense. It's not a defensive tackle. I think Washington could justifiably say we need some of that. Is there anybody you think that you
3: just think could make sense that Dan Quinn would want to bring over if possible? Dante Fowler. Absolutely. Uh, his solid piece. I don't think that you would be building around him as a starter, but he is a good rotational player. Uh, and then just the connections are so deep. I mean, it goes back to their time. I mean, they worked together when, when Fowler was at Florida, let alone then with Atlanta. And then right. now he's now with the Cowboys. So that one definitely is top in the, top of the list. A- after that, though, really Dorrance Armstrong, who, again, a backup defensive end for the Cowboys, and he's an unrestricted free agent, but he's a pretty productive player. He just hasn't got a chance to start because Doran sorry, I mean, that Demarcus Lawrence stayed healthy and Micah Parsons has been healthy. So he's a free agent. I could see him potentially going over there. J. Ryan Kirst at safety is a free agent. And man, he had one of his best years two years ago. And I really thought that Dan brought that out of him. And so he's another guy that is interesting to me. Uh it is I have to mention Micah Parsons in, and just because he said towards the end of the year, like, Hey, wherever Dan goes, maybe, maybe I'll end up going with him. I don't believe that. I just don't. I mean, uh, I don't see the Cowboys letting him leave. And if they did, I, I can't see them moving him to a team in the NFC East. Number two, number the... two pick for number two pick for Parsons in a second. Come on. Mm, I don't see that happening. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't half, see that half my audience has yelled at me anyway because well, no, 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 we need the yeah. quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't see that. I don't see that one. I don't see the. I don't see a uh, <laughs> a Mike and Parsons Trey Lance package uh, getting it done. Um, no. Uh, what are we talking about? Just
1: different guys that they might. Uh, yeah,
3: that's about. That's about the only ones that stand out that are of note. Um, I see Dallas's long snapper is a free agent. Washington needs yeah. one of those. Okay, there you go. There's Trent Sig um yeah that's about it there's not really and i and and it's funny because they they don't need defensive tackles well that's what the cowboys do need so you wouldn't be trying to get any of their defensive tackles linebackers weren't good this year uh jaron curse is the only safety that's not under contract of note and then you mentioned Stefan gilmore at corner so yeah that covers the whole defense got it
1: all right well i mean you know no, no doubt there'll be some of those players coming over and well as other staffers. uh, I would imagine, even if it's somehow the it's not a coordinator, I would imagine others will come over to help, you know, spread the gospel to whatever it is that Dan Quinn is selling. It's an important thing to do. So that's not, well, oh, out of
3: those three, I'm telling you right now, I would be stunned if he doesn't get one, at least one of those three out of Joe Witt Jr., Ed Durde, or Al Harris. I just think at least one of those and who knows if it's Witt, then all the other dominoes might fall right into place right after that, where it's those next two guys. And then maybe even somebody else. I'm not sure, but those those guys are all in play for for sure for for Dan Quinn's staff in Washington.
1: And, and with these like run game coordinator things, that you like a slight bump up, you can kind of get you can kind of fudge the whole system to be like, all ah, you're not going to be the defensive coordinator, but we'll give you this thing. I, uh, and you know, at some point, Dallas wouldn't be able to like stop everybody. So,
3: well, and it's also just the whole idea if if one of those coaches too is able to. Uh, to get an, uh, one of those opportunities with Washington, they could easily look at it, like you said, where, well, this is a new start. If they think behind the scenes in the building, things are heading in a good direction going into this final year of Mike McCarthy's contract, it wouldn't be the worst move for them to be like, all right, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with this Dan Quinn situation and, and we'll figure it out there. I'll keep my name in, in in the coaching ranks as opposed to having to go into next off season, just putting myself out there looking for a job. So um, no, that would make sense for sure. Defensive for sure. just, the offense, I don't see him taking any of those, those coaches.
1: Got it. All right. Um, interesting stuff. Uh, just out of curiosity, what's been the reaction down there to Dan Quinn going to a team in the division? Is it people care or are they, uh, are they like, Hey, what are you doing? trader?
3: No, 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 no. Um, last off season, I feel like it would have been, what are you doing? trader? this off season, it, it I feel like it's a little bit more of when they parted ways with Kellen Moore. You're getting rid of a good coordinator, and that sucks, but because the seasons just kind of seem like it's Groundhog's Day, I think most people down here are look, looking for some type of a change. Uh, now, that might be a change that leads to worse results than what they've gotten the last couple of years, but just like when Kellen Moore moved on, there was a lot of people that are just kind of fine with it because they're just something needs to be – there needs something There needs something needs to be shook up and you know a year ago was the offense they got some pretty good returns but then again it still didn't go any farther in the playoffs so I think that there's some people in Dallas that are like hey let's move on to the I think Vrabel would be the one if you're like oh if the fans could get whoever they want I think it'd be Vrabel would be one Joe Witt Jr. would probably be two and then after that it's probably just a hodgepodge of different names or whatever but um last off season, they would have been pretty mad about it for sure. I just think that Green Bay game, the way that the Cowboys played against the Niners and the way the game the Cowboys played against Buffalo has kind of left Cowboys fans with like, "Ah, let's let, let's go ahead and try something new. Dan's a great, good coach. Let's just try something new."
1: Um, last question, we talked last time when you were on about Ben Johnson cuz you are a uh, Detroit guy. Uh needless to say that when that that situation went in very crazy directions, what did you make of of that and and like as best you can tell, or I don't know if you've heard anything, what do you think happened? You know, did Ben Johnson really just didn't want it,
3: or did they get greedy, or what do you think happened? So, if I'm just reading between the lines here, uh, with my my Detroit background, um, so I don't know if you remember like that ridiculously big contract that the Detroit Pistons gave Monty Williams to be their coach, something mm-hmm. like 13 million dollars a year, you're just kind of looking around like. Well, you kind of have to give a coach that because it, it's not really just about the money. It's about the stability knowing, hey, you give me this kind of money. I know you're not moving on from me if we just have one bad year. It sounds like that's what Ben Johnson was looking for. Like, hey, if I'm going to Washington, I need some some guarantees that I'm going to be here and have a chance to turn this thing around because Carolina was very interested in him last year. Doesn't take that job. and What happens in Carolina? They have the one pick, get their quarterback that they want. They had their pick of any quarterback in the draft. They hire Frank Reich. He gets his pick of any quarterback and they fire him one year in. So I think that that probably factored into that. It was like, okay, if I'm going to go to Washington, they're going to have to make me uh, an offer that gives me stability that I know I'll be there for at least three, four years. And sounds like Washington probably didn't want to do that for a first time head coach. And Hey, you can't blame them. I mean, like he doesn't have any head coaching experience. So But then again, maybe they had no say in it. Maybe it was just him saying, all right, well, if you're not going to offer me this, then I'm, then I know you guys are on your way uh, flying out here, but I'm good. I'm going to stay here with this. I mean, I got a good offense here. I'll get back in that coaching cycle next year. Let's not act like this is the only off season where there's a bunch of head coaching openings. I think it's only going to get crazier going forward, to be honest with you. I think there's going to be a lot more of these one, two year coaches recycled back over new coaching hires, things like that. Um, So I think that that's what factored in. He wanted more stability because of the organization, you know? made me wonder too. I was like, man, I wonder if he ever really wanted Washington and, and was he using Washington as leverage to get Seattle. And then McDonald got, you know, Seattle, maybe it was like, all right, I'm out, you know, unless you guys want to give me this big mo- amount of money, but it makes me wonder where do you think Dan Quinn was on the packing order? Top oh, three, top four. There,
1: the, 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 There is a lot of interesting questions. And, and certainly that is, that is one of them. I mean, they are, you know, presenting the idea that hey you know whatever reports are out there when not coming from us we weren't the ones saying ben johnson ben johnson ben johnson um but they obviously were interested and wanted to have the interview and i do think their interview process went they like it was for real like it wasn't just like we have to do this for you know for for, for uh for optics um yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's also been some notion that they may have offered Mike McDonald the job before he, you know, took the Seattle offer. So yeah, I don't know. And look, they're obviously not going to say Dan Quinn was the backup or the but third they choice. Say,
3: they can't say he's number one either because they could have done that higher right right after the Cowboys lost to the. Backup.
1: Well, well, that was the thing. That's what the, this is when I started getting suspicious. I don't know if we talked about this before, but when Seattle was waiting a week. Uh when Dan Quinn was sitting there, I'm like, okay, if they're waiting this long, they're not picking Dan Quinn. So then what yeah. are they doing? And at that point they had not even talked to McDonald yet. And they had talked to Johnson. And I had heard at that point sort of before it even became like a, a known story that I guess Seattle was really in it to win it with Johnson. Then he meets with them. And then, like you said, the next day bails on Washington. Um, So, yeah, I, you know, look, it's not like they even announced Dan Quinn 10 seconds after, mcdonald left so i I think there must have been some level of scrambling but i think that's also different than saying you know it's like if i go to baskin robbins and they're like when you're like a 10 year old they say pick which flavor you want there's like 12 i want right you know it's not like i'm really taking my third choice i just got to figure it out so it's sort of one of those and here's
3: here's the other thing too let's not act like oh if you don't get your number one guy well then you're just not going to get a good head coach or this isn't going to work you can get your the sixth guy you want and and could get way better results than the guy you want had number one. You know, I mean, that's just the way sports works, especially pro sports, where you're just like, man, like looking from afar. If one of these coaches doesn't work out, and being like, man, I can't believe we wanted him over Dan Quinn. Like, wow, what a disaster that'd be. I'm glad it kind of just worked out the way it did. You don't know. I mean, you got to see it as as you go. It's not like that. It's not like they're they're hiring Dan Quinn and everyone's looking around like, Dan Quinn. Anybody else even interview this guy? Where did this name come from? And hey, if that was the case, you know what you wind up with. Dan Campbell. Who else was interviewing with Dan Campbell? Oh, dude, and, uh, and and, and that's the coaching. That's the coaching trend. I'm 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 very interested in going forward. If Antonio Pierce has success with the Raiders and the Lions keep winning, look out for those former player types that are like, yeah, it's not really. He doesn't want to be the offensive corner, not really the defensive corner, but he's the leader. And we can put a young OC or DC around them and stuff. Like, if it works out for those, I'm telling you, the way the NFL is, I would not surprise me if more teams didn't go that way, you know?
1: I actually don't, also don't think it's that big of a deal. I think, was it Jason Kelsey? I want to say, I saw the other day say something about just in general, he likes it. Wait, was he saying he likes it when the play, when they're a play caller? Oh, crap. Maybe he did. So I'll, I'll strip that. We'll, We'll forget I said that. But yeah, I mean, there is something to be said for, I mean, look, John Harbaugh doesn't call plays. Right. Uh, they, they seem to be doing all right. Uh, you yeah. know, you don't have to be that. You you do have to be a smart manager, a leader, somebody who understands how to push the buttons, who needs to do what, bring in the right staff. It's no different than a lot of other companies. It, it's, you know, not everybody is the doing the play caller, as it were. Sometimes you would just have to be the guy in charge who's telling everybody else what to do.
3: That is important too. And the biggest thing for me, I think, is just the organization. Like, does your organization – Is everybody moving in the same direction? Because when you say hardball, like I just think of like the Ravens, Steelers, Packers, Seattle. Like there just seems to be a lot of the key people are on the same page. And if you have that in Washington, everything will everything else will work itself out. Honestly, like you can go and take Drake May at two, and it doesn't work out. If you have the right front office, the right organization you can turn that around quickly and you have to look no further. You can stay right in the NFC East and look at Philadelphia. You know, the money they gave Carson Wentz, they turned that thing right around, got Jalen Hurts, got right back to a Super Bowl. It wasn't like some. it's just, you know, I always felt like there was people that would say, yeah, if you miss on this quarterback early and you're digging yourself some 10 year hole or whatever you look at, I the never, 40, yeah, I never 49ers. It, but... Another organization I think right. is one of the best run. Look how quickly they got to the Trey Lance thing. And they just moved to the next thing. Like, the way the NFL is, and, and really probably most of sports is like this, but if you have the right organization top-down, you can figure that stuff out and fill in the gaps.
1: I, I I agree. Every time somebody says if you don't get the quarterback right, if you pick him with a top-three pick, it could set you back for years. Well, yes, if you just keep going with it. If you go for four years and then you're like, ah, oh, this guy stinks, well, then sure, you've wasted four years, but you don't have to be stuck. If you know what you're doing, you can definitely adjust and move on and figure out – Plan B. These teams are, you know, if you only have one plan, I think this was sort of my one issue with Rivera at times. If you just have one plan and aren't nimble to adjust, then you are screwed if it just runs into a, a dead end. But you know, if you're if you're able to do that, which I think they're hoping with Adam Peters that they will be able to, then uh, then you won't be. So.
3: Oh hey, speaking because you said Rivera, bring this up. I don't think the fan base in Dallas is going to be thrilled if he's the defensive coordinator pick. And I think he could be a really good defensive coordinator. I do think that he could be a good fit with this defense. But because he hasn't had success as a head coach in Washington, man, that might be the hire at D.C. uh, for the Cowboys. That turns into like the biggest upset group of the biggest portion of upset fans in Dallas would be if they hire Ron Rivera. Is he officially interviewing or is that just like a rumor? There's a report out there that he is. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me. Well, I mean, the, the track record with the Cowboys track record with Mike McCarthy is that the DCs have been former head coaches. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't really surprise me at all. I mean, heck Mike Zimmer's name is one that that's being mentioned and he hasn't coached in, in the NFL in the last two years. So uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's, you know, how it is down here.
1: Well, obviously, Jerry is a, a bit of a different one, so I can't just use the same logic I would with others, but I would be surprised if Ron Rivera gets tired. But stranger things have happened. Um, all right, man, I appreciate it. Uh, at John Machota on Twitter, go read his uh, Cowboys coverage on The Athletic. And uh, look, if depending on who else they hire here, if they bring over the whole staff, we may have to have them back and give us a rundown on all these guys. Um, my guy, I appreciate it. I'll see you in a couple weeks in Indy.
3: Sounds good, Ben. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, big thanks to
1: David Aldridge and John Machota for their time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. I will have more episodes this week. We'll, we'll talk. We'll dive into Cliff Kingsbury uh, probably in the next episode. And uh, like I said, we'll be able to then sort of spin things forward, talk about free agency, talk about the draft. Um, I don't know when we're going to hear more about other coaching changes, but we will see about it. That is it, though, for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time.